And I and I hope I, and I really do think one day, you know, just like George Wallace did, just like Lee Atwater did, one day, some of these people, not all of them, I think some are too far gone, but some of these people are going to have deathbed conversions. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna go ahead and say, you know what? We really were wrong. What we really did was messed up. All righty, welcome in, boys and girls. Another episode of Alabama Politics this week. Uh, I am Josh Moon. Uh, over in this corner with his socks on this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you know what? Uh, I, I guess I guess I inherited poor circulation from somebody up my ancestral line, because I, I always have the heat on, and then the, the 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 wizard behind the curtain, he says to me, uh, "You need to turn that heater off. It's ruining the sound quality of the podcast." Well, well. But you got socks on today, and by the way, that is David Person. Uh, yeah, you know, I, yeah. His, his name is on the podcast, so it'd probably be pretty easy to figure this out. But uh, you yeah, know, just so no one's lost. His name is Cold Feet, David yeah. Cold Feet Person. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, Cold Foot. Uh, all right, we um, got set for a good show. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know we. We're, uh, we're, we're slam packed here, so we're going to be kind of quick opening and closing. So you won't hear a lot from us. And I know that disappoints the hell out of a lot of people to not hear <laughs> us prattle on. Uh, but we have a couple of guests today. And so we're not going to, we're not going to spend a lot of time on I think our subscription our... rate just went up, by the way, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with yeah, that announcement. Yeah. Well, the cancellation rate went, went down anyway. So it's, uh, <laughs> right. I'm listening to these assholes anymore. Uh, uh, I, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, busy week. Uh, the legislature is in session. So, you know, your money's being being stolen left and right uh, for mm. nonsense. Um, and uh, that's what they're uh, doing today as we tape here on Thursday that we have one of the worst house calendars I've uh, I've ever seen, uh, really. And Which is saying something for the state of Alabama. Normally you get one or two really bad bills per session that, you know, that goes through. Uh, we, we've got about five on there today, just for today. And so uh, Democrats have uh, have slowed this thing to a halt because while they are in the super minority, uh, they are uh, there are rules that allow them to, to slow things down. And then that's mm-hmm. so that's what they're trying to do. I mean, it'll all be for naught and they're going to pass all this nonsense and then it'll be left up to hopefully uh cooler heads in the Senate to, uh, to, to stop some of this stuff. But I'd like to, uh, to start, um, with the imminent announcement on Monday of your next Alabama Senator, United mm. States Senator, mm. uh, Mo Ron Brooks. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody, uh, Give him that. That's that's good, Josh. That's his that middle name. Is Ron? I think right. Isn't that his middle name? Isn't his middle name. <clears throat> I don't. Mo Ron I, Brooks. Uh, well, it works for me. Yeah. Maybe it there's works a hyphen. For me. Maybe it's hyphen. Yeah, yeah hyphenated. <laughs> he's hyphenated. He's he, no. He wouldn't be a hyphenated American though, would he? Oh no, you're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. that's the uh, feminization of America. You know. Ah, uh, exactly. That Tucker Carlson talks about with our military. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but yes, yeah. apparently he is. Uh, he's going to announce. He's got a uh, mm. clan. I mean, a rally, a cross burning, or something planned for Monday night. Um, yeah, some some combination of the two. Yeah. I think that, and I think it's at a it's at a local uh, uh, gun range too. So we'll add that in. Uh, but I think it's called uh, Barrel and Bullets or something like that. Yeah, I've forgotten the barrel. name of the place. Yeah. Yeah. But probably uh, a place yeah. where you can go and shoot guns and drink at the same time. Well, um, could be. 
Could yeah. be. Listen, I, I have no problem with a, with a gun range. I mean, if you want to, I, I, matter of fact, I encourage people if you're going to if you're going to own a firearm, I would like for you to go to a gun range uh, and spend some time with the people at gun ranges who know what the hell they're doing and can teach you how to properly handle and and store and and you know use right. uh, this deadly weapon that you have uh, because otherwise you're a danger to everybody. And if you go to the gun range and the gun range clears out when you get there. Fix whatever your problem is, because those people know that you are a problem. Right. And all of that is fine. But I think that the, you know, uh, because I'm I, like you, I'm I'm a uh, pro Second Amendment liberal. I don't have any problem with people mm-hmm. owning guns and and uh, using guns responsibly and, and legally. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think the imagery, though, and the symbolism there is is uh, something that has very little to do with gun safety and more to do with pontificating about, you know, the, 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 the longstanding myth that somebody's going after your guns. And so mm-hmm. his agenda, again, will be reflective of something that really doesn't have a lot to do with the daily needs of the Alabama business community or the citizens of Alabama and just more pontificating about you know delusional myths well i I do look forward to seeing what uh, what he can rename uh in the area once he gets to the u.s senate uh you know just because that's the only thing he's done so far in the in the house and in a decade is is rename a post office in his district that's literally the only bill that that he has brought that has passed Hmm. uh literally the only one which which tells you uh, I mean, you know, in his short period of time, I want to say that Doug Jones had somewhere around 30 bills uh, mm. that he either sponsored or co-sponsored uh, that that passed and were signed into law by, you know, the the president who, I don't know if, if any of you knew this or not, but he was a Republican uh, and, and right. in a Senate controlled by Republicans at the time. Uh, right. He managed to get this done. Uh, Brooks was in the ruling party in the House for uh, the better part of his tenure there uh, and has not managed to get anything passed of consequence uh, at all, which tells you that he he has no interest whatsoever in serving this district. He has no interest in serving anybody but himself. He's only there to talk and throw crap against the wall. Uh, and he, I mean, honestly, he's a uh, it's it's a waste of a time. It's a waste of time to to promote this guy. It's a waste of time to think about this guy. It is a a complete and utter waste of time for this state and the people of this region, especially, uh, to for for Mo Brooks to be your representative. I mean, we we have things here in spite of him. You know, it, it's you hear it from from business leaders all the time. Is that you know one of the things that held us up was Mo Brooks, but you know well, we came here in spite of that because of the growth of of Huntsville and the, and the things that are that are available here. Uh, and it's never because of him. It's you know you could even say, listen, I, I don't agree with anything Robert Adderholt does, but he hasn't been in an embarrassment like Mo Brooks has. And and at least when business leaders talk to the guy, they have a good conversation with him. Where with Mo, it's like he's a space cadet talking about. Im- Immigrants and just embarrassing nonsense constantly. That's only a self-promotion for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's self-promoting, but I also think it's uh, there's a real sort of obsessiveness there that is frightening. 
honestly. And, and I say frightening, not in the I'm scared of Mo Brooks sense of the word frightening, but just frightening is in disturbing and perplexing and, uh, and, and, and really concerning when you start to think about what's the impact of this going to be on the 5th Congressional District, you know, which is where he currently serves, or if he were elected to the Senate, what's the impact going to be on the state of Alabama? What's the national image of Alabama going to be if one of the senators is somebody who has basically built a career on uh, castigating people for being immigrants, mm-hmm. for uh, for, I think, espousing views that are indisputably racist at times, and then also perhaps even more destructive than everything else I just said, who literally, who literally sought to foment an insurrection. Yeah. Who literally sought to help rile up a bunch of thugs mm-hmm. who went to the Capitol and attacked the Capitol and 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 engaged in actions that led to the deaths of police officers, and some of them were planning to try to lynch the vice president of the United States, who yeah. in fact is a member of Mo's own party. I mean, it's outrageous. And we know good and well that they would have done similar things to the Speaker of the House, sure, uh, and sure. to other members like. Uh, uh, AOC and some of the some of the other folks who they they hate who who believe are uh, are are villains in this uh, whatever play that they have going on in their minds, um, and you know really it's it's at this announcement that they're going to have Monday he's brought in another of the worst people in the world Stephen Miller the guy responsible for a lot of the racist immigration policies of the Trump administration and some Birds of the of worst the absolute yeah. worst of the Trump administration I mean mm-hmm. it's essentially racism in a skin suit. Mm. Um, and I mean, it is, and so, I mean, this is the image, this is the image that Mo Brooks wants to portray. This is what he wants to promote. He wants to promote this image of white supremacy and, uh, and catering to, you know, to the oppressed white man. Uh, you know, he said as much that there's an attack on white people. Yeah. Not said as much. He said exactly that. Yeah. He said exactly that. There's an attack on white people. Um, and you know, I, I just, I, I don't understand how how we're not better than this at this point. I don't, uh, and uh, you know, to at, at some at some juncture here, what do white people, uh, specifically poor white people, uh, middle class and lower white people, how much do you have to lose to continue voting for these idiots that only only promise? to promote some white supremacist agenda right. versus the actual business of representing you and your interests, even if those interests happen to align to align, God forbid, with people of color. Uh, you right. know, I, I just don't understand what it's going to take for that to take place. Well, what I'm hoping, and I and this may be speaking of delusional, this may make me delusional, but what I'm hoping is that, uh, Josh, that, with the realization that the uh, American relief package that uh, that Biden just uh, uh, you know delivered to the nation, and uh, well, I say Biden, Biden and the Democratic Congress delivered to the nation, 
with hundreds of millions of dollars coming to the state of Alabama. You know, mm-hmm. even though we often say we don't want federal intervention and, you know, we don't want to be tied to federal down welfare state federal in the country. Money, really. You know, exactly. But hey, you know what? Um, my hope is that people will begin to see, uh, and I think this may be, and I'm hoping this will be a hallmark actually of the of the next two to four years, that people will see that there is a role for the federal government in our lives and that and that we need to be putting people in office, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, though I would prefer Democrats, obviously. But right. whether they're Democrats or Republicans, we have to put people in office who have an appreciation for that. I didn't agree with Senator Shelby's pol- you know, politics, but you know what? He appreciated the reality that as a U.S. senator, he needed to govern. And he mm-hmm. used his position and his platform to enhance the lives of the people of this state. And God bless him for it. And we're going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. And he did it without being a rabid partisan, which I also uh, appreciated. But even if he had been a rabid partisan, at least he governed. At least he governed. Adderholt is another one. I would say that from what I have seen of Adderholt, I don't agree with any of his politics. And he's definitely more partisan than than Shelby uh, has ever been. But I will also say that Adderholt seems to have an appreciation for the responsibility that he has to govern as a congressman. Don't see that with Mo yeah. Brooks. No, he, he doesn't. Um, and, and you're right. Mo doesn't. Uh, Tommy Tuberville doesn't. So you're going to be left with, if, if this were to come to fruition and Mo get elected, you're going to end us. up with, uh, uh, you know, you're, <laughs> you're going to end up with, with two people that are, I mean, what what are you know? Not, I, I, at this point right now, surely you've seen what we've lost with Tuberville being there. It just yeah. doesn't. Uh, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that's. I I don't know what to do with people, man. I don't. I don't. I mean, this is what they've chosen. This is the. Uh, it's it's whoever can shout the loudest. The business community in our state, and the other elected officials in our state, they should be terrified, because the prospects here. You know, and again, this doesn't have any right now. I'm not arguing about partisanship because I understand that that it's going to be an uphill climb for any Democrat to get elected to U.S. Senate. But Mm -hmm. having said that. We don't need a Republican like Brooks in there. We need a Republican like Shelby in there. We need somebody of that mindset, of that ilk. And they ought to be terrified because if we end up with with Mo Brooks and Tommy Tuberville in the U.S. Senate. God help Alabama. God help the state of Alabama. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a, um, you know, man, it is, it, it really is. A, uh, I don't even know. I can't get anyone to tell me what it is that they're hoping to accomplish by electing either one of these people. Have you ever heard anybody say, put into words a a, a any sort of a semblance of a, of a reasonable answer to what you're hoping to get out of either Tommy Tuberville or Mo Brooks being your representative in any way? I haven't. And, and in fact, you know, I've got, I've got a whole lot more experience hearing uh, and reading about conservatives and Republican voters who say, you know, leaders, I'm talking now about non-elected leaders, 
who say Mo Brooks isn't any good for our state. Yeah. You know, you, you remember the three generals who came out? Uh-huh. The three generals who came out made a stand, um, you know, uh, against the candidacy of Mo Brooks. And, and, you know, I've had, I know I've had personally, I've had some long in-depth conversations with uh, uh, at least one business leader who voted Republican probably 99% of the time, if not 100% of the time, and definitely identified as conservative. And he had nothing good to say about Mo at all. Yet, I also believe he was voting for Mo, and I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. But I, I, I I'm with you, man. I, I, I'm the same way. And I mean, and you know, we should also say that that this is also a man who is currently under investigation for his role in the insurrection. Right. He li- right. literally is under investigation for this. So. Right. All right. I'll tell you what. Let's let's get out uh, get out of here for uh, for this segment and uh, come back. We're gonna have Representative Sam Jones on to talk about what a insane day this is gonna be in the Alabama House and um, and some of the voting rights bills that are going for voting rights and against voting rights. Uh, you can probably guess which side the Democrats are on and which side the Republicans are on <laughs> on that fight. Um, all right. We're gonna slide out. Be right back in a moment. Alabama politics this week. Hey, just wanted to take a second to uh, thank the AFL-CIO uh, for their support of the podcast here at Alabama Politics this week and really thank them for all that they do for us and for the workers all around uh, Alabama. Uh, the Alabama AFL-CIO, which you can find at alaflcio.com. Again, that's alaflcio.com. Uh, go to their, their website. Uh, they, they do great work uh, at helping you organize, uh, teaching you about the benefits of a union, uh, teaching you about how to, how to go about filing grievances and everything else that goes with, with being a union member. And especially in this time, COVID-19 is so prevalent and, uh, you know, a lot of workers are having problems with uh, precautions not necessarily being taken or getting relief uh, that they need because of wage losses and job losses. Go over there to the website, take a look at the reports that are there, take a look at the guidance that they have, uh, utilize some of those, uh, some of the fine people that are working at Alabama AFL-CIO uh, and, and take advantage of, of what a union can bring. Uh, and that's especially true if you're working in a place that does not necessarily have a union. Uh, I think you can read, uh, read all about that with the, uh, with the folks working at Amazon currently uh, in this state, and you can see the benefits that kind of come along with being a union member. Uh, again, that's A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com. A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com. All righty. Welcome back, Alabama Politics This Week. Uh, we are happy now to have with us Representative Sam Jones, uh, who is who has left what is a what it promises to be a marathon session in the house. I hope uh, hope you brought something uh, to drink and eat, some snacks from the house because it's uh it's going to be a long day in there. Representative Jones, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. You're you're on here with uh, Josh Moon, David Person, and uh, uh, it's uh just looking at this calendar and and to to explain to people we we record on Thursday afternoons uh here and the house as of right now is taking up what uh, I I referenced in the open of this podcast as being one of the worst special order calendars that I can recall in a, in a long time maybe ever uh to see all on one calendar um 
is it includes uh, an abortion bill, uh, the banning of of transgender uh, kids from playing sports, uh, uh, a anti riot bill, which everybody's heard a lot about that, uh, redistricting. Uh, you know, just to, just to throw something else in there, redistricting is going to pop up as well. Uh, the banning of uh, of electronic voting machines and curbside voting. Uh, it's a um, it, it's it's really probably one of the worst examples of, of purely partisan politics that I've seen in a long time. Yes, uh, it, it could be called a, actually a suppression tool, Bob. That is a that is a, a very good uh, description of it. What? I guess when we look at this, what you know, and, and Democrats are obviously uh, subject to the Republican supermajority on these things. What what do you do when a calendar like this lands at, at lands in front of you? Well, at this point, uh, what you're really seeing is a lot of questioning of the calendar. That's the process that's going on now. Questioning how the calendar was put together, how priorities was determined. Well, this the calendar normally. They get together and they vote on a group of bills to go on the calendar because there are Democrats that's on the uh, rules committee. But this particular calendar did not go through that process. It was one that was just put together by uh, the chairman of the committee, and it did not have uh, actually any discussion from all the members about it. So uh, it's a specialized calendar to move this agenda. And at the end of the calendar, there's a bill by um, Representative McCampbell. And that bill is really accountability for police officers as they are hired. That's the last bill on the calendar. And um, I think what they are really trying to do is get us to move through these quickly so we can get to that one. But uh, I don't think that's transit. Don't worry. What, who, who is the chairman of the Rules Committee? Uh, uh, his name is uh, Representative Mike Jones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Not to be I'm familiar. With... <laughs> not, not to be confused with the rapper Mike Jones. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it um yeah th- these uh there there is obviously one one anti voting bill uh, on here um and and you know I know this has been uh, a hot button topic uh, between Republicans and Democrats not just in this state but but across the country. Uh, after you know the the lies that that came out after the election when uh, people didn't understand basically how math works um and you know it, it these these different things that that Republicans have tried now uh it they all seem to be uh efforts to uh prevent people from getting to the polls or to make it as hard as possible for you know working folks people with kids uh, people that are having to work a couple of different jobs uh, to get to the polls and and cast a ballot. And I just want to, I mean, I, I guess just what are your thoughts on, on this, this bill in particular, the, the that's banning curbside voting and some other things. Uh, and then the overall, uh, I guess, environment in which y'all are operating in when it comes to voting rights bills. I think that there are a number of legislature, legislatures throughout the country that really are dealing with the same package of bills. I, I think it's somewhat of a national agenda, uh, as in Georgia, as in other surrounding states. Uh, there are those bills that really address the convenience of voting. 
and making it inconvenient for people, especially people with handicapped conditions, people who are blind, people who are immobile, people, and, and actually these bills really deter them from voting. And, and they know that. And they, then there are other, that's just, just one in the package. There are several others in the package that really make it difficult for people to vote. And I, I think that um, it, it's a really a state and national agenda. I think the Republican Party has an agenda to do that. They think, uh, it would seem to me that if mm -hmm. the reason that Democrats won is because they worked harder, you would actually want to work harder rather than change <laughs> the rules so you don't have to work. And that, that's what it appears to be. Yeah, and before, before David jumps in with a question, I just want to say real quick that the noises that you hear in the background is a rep, uh, Representative Jones is actually at the state house right now, and so right. you'll, you'll hear the funny little beeps and buzzes, and those are those are for votes and for different things like that within the house. Yeah. So Representative Jones, the uh, the Democrats are a minority in both uh, both uh, segments of the Alabama legislature, the House and the Senate. Uh, and yet we see this, uh, as you've indicated, this coordinated national assault on on voting rights that's being led by the National Republican Party, or it may be the ALEC, that, that group ALEC, or whoever it is. But the bottom line is, there's this, this assault that Democrats do not have the political wherewithal to hold off or to or to overturn. So what do you what do you suggest that uh, we who are concerned about this, uh, who are voters, what do you suggest that we do? What can we do to try to assist you elected Democrats in 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 protecting and, and retrieving the voting rights of our of our people? Well, I think that one thing is that um, we need to let those legislators uh, from all over the state know that that's not acceptable. And the other, I guess the best thing you can do is do what was done in Georgia. You elect senators and representatives that can really fight against that. But quite frankly, we have a situation here where all the people are not considered. The people are just really concerned about pleasing the conservative people in that district and without any, um, actually without any concern for anyone else. And they're doing it, uh, they towed the party line, whatever the party line might be, it has nothing to do with how they feel about what's fair, what's right. And I think that this is really shameful to see that someone can come up here, not vote their conscience, but actually vote what they've been told to vote in order to stay up with the party which is counterproductive to a lot of people that live in the district they represent. Sure. No doubt about that at all. No doubt about that. So, uh, I, you know, I agree with you that organ, you know, voters need to organize and, and concerned citizens need to organize. I, I get that. But, you know, again, looking at the political landscape, we know that even if we had started organizing last year, we still got an uphill battle when it comes to who ends up in the in the Alabama House and Senate, and we're going to have an uphill battle here in 2022 as we look at congressional seats and the U.S. Senate seat. So, I guess what I'm I'm asking you is, do you believe that there is the potential here 
for legal action that can be taken you know can is is it possible that we can that that some citizen or citizens group can file lawsuits to try to counteract or countermand some of these uh suppression of voting rights that 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 seem to be on the way we believe that some of the laws that are being proposed are unconstitutional. We think that many of them should have legal challenge. And I think that groups from the community and people in the community should look at that. You know, most of the change that's come about in Alabama has been through the federal courts. It hadn't been because someone in their heart decided that um, people in Sam Jones community ought to have a representative too. Right. That came as a result of federal lawsuits and, and that's how we are constituted here. And I think that that's really, when you're in the minority, you have to depend on the courts to really do what is fair for all the people. We're coming up to reapportionment. That's another huge issue that's gonna come about because they get a chance to draw the district. The legislature vote on the districts, and, and I'm sure that nobody's gonna be interested in, in drawing a district that's uh, favorable for Sam Jones, or favorable for other legislators in this state that, that are not members of the Republican Party. So we got that challenge coming up. And that's that's late. Reapportionment should have took place months ago. We, here we are not planning to even get any results to the end of August or sometime in September, and, you know, right in during the time when we be getting ready to have uh, primaries. So the situation is, is that uh, we have to really try to continue to fight through the courts and by whatever means necessary to bring about some change. In some of these districts though, some of these districts have enough Democrats and enough people who wanna do what's right and what's fair to really make some changes in a few of these districts in the legislature. And we have to be cognizant of that and work very hard on that because that is possible in some districts in the state of Alabama. What, one other quick question, Josh, if I may. Uh, Representative Jones, you you um, appear to be uh, a person who is of the age that you remember perhaps some of the horrific actions that were taken by state government um, in the 50s and 60s. Am I correct on that? You're absolutely correct. Okay. So... Do you have any real concerns? I know I know many times we Democrats and progressives we get worked up with our rhetoric and we start to talk about you know the the sort of the the, the sense of doom that we feel as it relates to uh voting rights in particular and the and the reality that some people would turn back the clock if they could all the way back to the era of Jim Crow. As somebody who has a a very real understanding, a tangible, personal understanding of what that is, is that a fear of yours right now that you live with and a fear of other people in your age group and of your level of experience? Do you actually fear that? Yes, I do. Uh, you know, I, I tell people sometimes and many people don't understand this, but uh, in my era, uh, I'm one of the few people left around that drink colored water. You know, uh, that when, and colored water is water where one white, one fountain says white water, the other says colored water. I, I've experienced that. I've also experienced being a protester. In fact, I believe that at 
myself and others had not been protesters, none of us would be here now in, in this position in the state. I've served as county commissioner for 18 years, mayor of Mobile for eight years, and now in the state legislature. So I'm, I'm keenly aware of where we are, and it appears to me that we are losing some ground as it relates to our ability to have the kind of support necessary and the kind of representation necessary to keep that from happening, to keep us from going backwards in many areas. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that that's a uh, that's that's an in dispute, is it? I mean, in 1966, I would say that uh, that black voters had more protections and more rights than they currently do today, thanks to the Shelby County decision that that gutted the Voting Rights Act, and um, that was a major you know, decision. That was a yeah. major decision when when people did not have to send reapportionment plans for preclearance when they could move a ward anytime they wanted to move a ward they can do now couldn't do that during that time because yeah. they had, and then uh, they came up to say that it wasn't necessary anymore it's more necessary now than it's ever been and that yeah. that's one of the things that we have to really talk about and what's happening with the Biden administration with the things that they're trying to do now as it relates to voting rights. And it relates to rights, period, is extremely important to the future of people in this country. Yeah, it's, you know, if you doubted uh, the need for that, uh, for the, that portion of the Voting Rights Act, uh, you could just take a look at Alabama, which had a voter ID law that had already been deemed unconstitutional, uh, that they had already run it up against, and they were going to try to run it back again. Um, and instead of doing so, they, they delayed it. And I want to say it was something like uh, less than three months after that decision, they implemented that voter ID law that, that, that had already been deemed uh, basically unconstitutional by the Department of Justice uh, and was never going to reach, uh, get preclearance uh, for them. And they, they ran it through just as soon as that, that decision was made. And so now we live with this ridiculous voter ID law that has not stopped any fraud whatsoever uh, from anybody. Uh, not at all. Uh, you know, uh, for the most part, uh, I know a lot of other elected officials in other states, mayors, county commissioners that I've known for years. And one of the things that they say, now I used to say about them, uh, I used to say about the ones in Mississippi, that, you know, Mississippi is last on the list. And now they tell me, well, you it. <laughs> you, 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 you are now it. And they're talking about the state of Alabama. And, and you yeah. know, in many ways, they're correct. Wow. Alabama is really not conducive for progress for equality for people in this state. It is, it is not, it will seem to me, we ought to be passing laws to make it voting more convenient for people in this state. Yes. We really ought to be doing some things that change the nature of unemployment in the black belt. We ought to be doing Medicaid mm -hmm. expansion. We ought to be doing all those things that's necessary to change the makeup of the state period as it relates to economics, as it relates to rights, as it relates to the programs that it takes to get people out of poverty. That is not a priority in this legislature. Hmm. You know, if, if you, if, if more people voting is a threat to your party's platform, then maybe the problem is the party's <laughs> platform. Say I mean, it. just, Say <laughs> it. you know, Say it, and, and that's true. It, it is, it is. And if you really look at the platform, it, the platform is what it does, not what it says. Mm -hmm. You read some of these mm -hmm. platforms, they talk about equality and voting rights and all that, but they're not going to dare practice. And that, that's one mm -hmm. of the things that I talk about here, that, you know, 
you can you can actually espouse Christianity all you want, but if you don't live it, it it's just not real. Preach. And that's one of the things That'll that preach. That'll yeah, preach, sir. That'll sir. preach. Yeah. <laughs> See, well, I, listen, I, I, on, on redistricting, I I look forward to the, to, to more of these uh, well drawn districts that stretch from from Mobile all the way up into Jefferson County and just happen to collect all the black neighborhoods along the way. I mean, it's a mm. uh, you know just I, you, just by accident, just by accident. Well, uh, you know, uh, my district in Mobile, I go out to the far west of the city, and then. Uh, about three large black communities. Then I go out into a wilderness area and to a new city. So mm. that's kind of the way my district is drawn. And that mm. was drawn several years ago. So, you know, the gerrymandering is something that's real in Alabama. It's really real in Alabama. Yeah, you know, if we could, you mentioned the, the Biden administration, what they're trying to do. If we, if we could uh, manage to get uh, HR1 passed, uh, and and I would encourage. I wrote, matter of fact, I wrote a piece about it today. That uh, 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 just a straight, what you know, what's in it, uh, piece about this uh, this bill. And it, it is. It look, go and look at it, and tell me what you disagree with. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a Republican, go and look at this bill, specifically the gerrymandering portion of this thing. Uh, that that would uh, it would appoint a committee to draw district lines of a, a committee of five Republicans. No lawmakers can be a, can be a part of it. And, and it would be five Republicans, five Democrats, and five independents. Uh, they would put forth this, uh, you know, the, the, the district lines, and they would draw them fairly uh, based on other rules and other regulations around there. They would have to draw these things fairly. I don't understand how anybody has a problem with that if what you're interested in is fairness. Well, and that's the whole point, isn't it? They're not interested in fairness. The, the, the point is, I, I yeah. think that you would probably get a number of, of the Democrats who would agree with that. But, uh, you know, he who has the goal will make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 where, and where we are with that process is, uh, I think that one thing uh, Frederick Douglass said is power concedes to nothing. Without a struggle. That's right. And that's one of the things that's that's why we're struggling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we for a long time, we had this approach that I call actually an approach where uh, like when people go to the to the dentist and the dentist give them Novocaine, it doesn't do anything to help the tooth, Mm -hmm. but it just allows you to suffer peacefully. Mm. And that's Mm. that's the kind of process that, that, that they would have us have here. You know, we're not going to change anything, but we want to teach you how to suffer peacefully over mm. what we've done. And that's one of the things that we've got to target and change. And, you know, Representative Jones, that goes back to what Josh was saying about the party platform. I think one of my one of my positions for years has been that if Republicans really want to appeal to black people, if they really want black and brown votes, then change your damn platform. You know, put something in that platform that that really takes a strong position on some of the issues that are important to black people. And it doesn't take rocket science to know what those are. Affirmative action, civil rights and 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 issues, voting rights and issues such as those. But they won't do it. They won't do it. And that's because they really don't plan to change. If they did that. They would lose the support of all those groups you saw in Washington on January sixth. Mm-hmm. They, they'd be gone. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. So uh, you know that's that, right. I, I think that uh, 
if you really look at it, that's not the that's not the goal of the party. The goal of the party is to capture someone with some extreme ideas who agree with us on whatever we say. Uh, I think Lyndon Johnson said it best. And when J Lyndon Johnson say, if you take a white person who's not doing well, who has no money or anything, and make him think that all he had to say, well, at least I'm not black. Yes. You can yeah. rob him all day. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, and they've been robbing him since and long I, before I Lyndon Johnson. No doubt mm -hmm. about it. No mm -hmm. doubt about it. Uh, and, right. and everybody and all and everybody else as well. Yeah. I mean, they've they've been robbing everybody. But I think but, we have a pretty we have a pretty uh, big task here today. I I came prepared that if I have to stay another night, I'll go back to the hotel. But I'm gonna be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna stay here and fight until the last today. And and I think most of the other Democrats will. Well, uh, Representative Jones, we, we really appreciate it and, uh, you know, what you're doing and, and you know, you're taking the time out to, to talk with us about the whole, about all the problems. I mean, it's it's depressing in a sense, but, you know, it, it's at least nice to know that we got people, you know, willing to willing to fight for, you know, just basic, you know, decency and fairness, I guess. And, and so we, we do appreciate you for that and for coming on with us for a little while today. Yes, sir. One of the challenges we have, uh, the, the one good thing about it, I remember reading the passage in the Bible where it said it came to pass. You mm -hmm. know, some of those things could have come to state, but but I think all of this will come to pass. It didn't come to state. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. That's a, I think that's all of our hope. Thank you, uh, Representative Jones. Thank you, sir. Sure. Thank you. All so, right, sir. Take care. Uh, that's uh that was good that was good stuff yeah uh, he uh he, Jones. He's, he uh good. i didn't have to yeah. put on my chaplain hat today he was <laughs> yeah, he, he had yeah, about yeah. two or three sermons and everything he yeah. said <laughs> that's right yeah you you're, 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 you've got you've lost your official uh chaplain uh yeah. role there i think yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, man it's uh it's a uh, it's a shame where we are it really is but uh, it really you know, is it really is a shame and I and I hope I, and I really do think one day, you know, just like George Wallace did, just like Lee Atwater did, one day, some of these people, not all of them, I think some are too far gone, but some of these people are going to have deathbed conversions. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go ahead and say, you know what, we really were wrong. What we really did was messed up. It yeah, really you know, I, I say, man, I think the only, uh, and you know, I think you're right, but I think what's going to change that is exactly what changed things in Georgia, uh, with, mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, those folks are around Atlanta and the Atlanta suburbs. Uh, you know, there were so many people, so many white people that found themselves living in communities with minorities. Uh, mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the mindset of the entire suburb changed from us voting uh, this Trump white supremacist, this white, you know, protect the white people. Oh, my God, our schools. Oh, my God, our schools. Nonsense to, hey, what? wait a minute. These black folks, they like to go to work and have a good job and a career and a family, and uh, they like to do all the things we do. We even watch the same shows at night, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just – you 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 break down that barrier that's created by skin color, which is one of the most idiotic things in the world. If you actually think about it, I mean, yeah. just uh, just sit back for just a second and remove everything else, and just think about the fact that we have separated each other on the basis of skin color, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and just think about 
how ridiculous that is. And and um, built and built an asinine mythology around it that doesn't even comport with the facts. You're yeah. calling as we've talked about before, you're calling a race of people lazy and good for nothing. Well, hell, we're the ones that built the damn country. It was built on our damn backs. What are you talking about? How are we lazy? How are we shiftless? The people who are lazy and shiftless are the ones who aren't working. The ones who had to who had to build a, a country on stolen land on the backs of stolen people. You you mean you mean the the race of of people you went to get to do all the work for you? Exactly. Those were the, uh, yeah, those are the, the shiftless. Here? That's right. Yeah. Those are the shiftless, lazy ones, and the ones yeah. you made march halfway across the damn country because yeah. you know you had to steal their land in order to do all of this. It was after, hey, it was after they discovered it, though. It was after they discovered it. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, they yeah. discovered it. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think hmm. we're going to uh, we're going to slide out. Uh, yeah, gets more riled up, uh, and I can't calm him down. That's right. So, I need to get a sip of some juice, man. I, and you know, take the now we're getting into the to the angry black man territory here. Though, so you got to be careful. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, uh, I think it was El Haj Malik El Shabazz, better known as Malcolm X, before he uh, he was actually El Haj Malik El Shabazz before he died. But I think he's the one who said. If a black man in America isn't angry, then he's crazy. He said something <laughs> to that effect. So I'll be angry. I'm happy to be known as the angry black man. I have every, me and my ancestors have a whole hell of a lot of reasons to be angry. Believe yeah. me. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I would agree with you completely. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't scare me at all. So it's, um, I'm okay. You That's because you're it's a good no dude, different than man. a white person being angry with me. So it's you know yeah, that you're works. A good, you're you're a good dude, man. You're a good dude. And you know what? There are many, many good. You know, it's the irony. And I know we gotta we gotta go to break, but I just gotta say, I'm angry not at white people. Sure. I'm angry at white supremacy and those who espouse it. Yeah. And there are a whole lot of white people that I've met primarily in the state of Alabama mm -hmm. who do not espouse white supremacy. Mm -hmm. You're one of them. You know, there are a lot of people who do not espouse a lot of white people who do, who do not espouse white supremacy yeah. and, and who don't relish white privilege, you know, no. having white privilege. But unfortunately there are those who do. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think Mo Brooks is one and, and I think we can name some others, and those are the and those are the ones with whom I have a problem. Yeah, I, and I'm I'm the same way, and uh, and you know, and I don't. It's a it it's it's as ridiculous to me to think that the way that they think is anything that I can imagine. I mean, it just really is that that ridiculous. It's not a it's not even really like a some sort of a conscious decision or something like that. Or and, and I mean, I listen, I'm not trying to say some stupid thing like I don't even see color, you know, it's, right. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not, right. it's not some trite nonsense like that. It's just, I understand, you know, everybody's trying to just live their life, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I know this is what I tell people all the time. Uh, you know, I, I, I was, was your life easy? Was your, was your life, what you got, what you've got and what you have. Did you work for that? Did it, was it, did that come easy to you? And they were to a, to a person, everybody, oh no, I worked my ass off. Are you kidding me? I killed, mm -hmm. I killed mm -hmm. myself, worked my as hard as hell to get up and do this every day. I said, well, imagine doing that and still having all these obstacles put in your way. 
to prevent mm. you from doing it. Imagine mm-hmm. how hard life would be. Mm-hmm. And so that's why people are mad. And that's what people want removed. That's what they're talking about. And, yep. you know, uh, you know, some people are dismissive. Some people take it and, and go with it. But, you know, we'll, all right, let's slide out. That's right. uh, Philosophies by Josh. You're welcome. <laughs> that was free. <laughs> all right, Alabama Politics this week. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week, David Person and Josh Moon. Uh, Of course, you know, Josh and I get to ranting and raving and pontificating, but it is nice periodically to break up the monotony of all of that jazz with somebody who really knows what they're talking about. And so we're glad to have with us today, Leah Nelson. She's the research director for one of, in my opinion, one of Alabama's premier organizations, Alabama Appleseed. Leah, good to have you on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we wanted to have you on to discuss, uh, and forgive me, I I don't have, uh, I thought I had the notes right in front of me here, but now I can't find them on my phone. I don't know if you've ever done that, misplaced notes on your phone. But uh, it's Never. A... I've never misplaced <laughs> notes in my life. <laughs> <laughs> me either. But I'm, it's just, uh, yeah, this, is, this is such poor. I, yeah. I, I don't even know what's this. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm all alone on this one, I guess. But uh, I don't remember the, uh, I don't remember the name of the bill but i HB know 129 129 okay is that it okay hb 129 uh which uh which so actually, leah has her notes David. yeah leah she's, has her notes. she has her notes she's ready to go that that's on me uh but i do remember what it's about and it's about the protection uh of uh of uh driver's licenses in this state and and keeping people out of the precarious position of not being able to retain their license because of uh, some encounter with the law. Did I did I summarize that? I know that was very simple, but was that an <laughs> accurate explanation? Yeah, it is it is a pretty good summary. So basically right Right now, Alabama suspends people's licenses for all kinds of reasons that have nothing to do with dangerous driving. Um, You can lose your license for failure to pay traffic debt. You can lose your license for failure to appear in court at a hearing about those payments. So a lot of times people, um, if they can't pay their ticket right away, they get put on a payment plan. Um, And they'll be told to show up to court periodically to kind of check in with the judge and say how they're doing. But those court hearings, are disruptive. I mean, if you have a shift job uh, where you need to report whenever they schedule you, and you're also supposed to go to court that day, and you have to choose between earning money to pay off your tickets and support your family, support yourself and keep a roof over your head and showing up in court, you have to make a really hard choice. People also just often don't know about those hearings or, and this is something I've encountered a lot, Um, People may have had an experience where they showed up in court to explain why they were behind on payments, and the judge jailed them that day, and they were incarcerated. Mm. Of course, even a brief period of incarceration can cause all kinds of collateral effects. You can lose your job. You can provoke DHR to be involved in your family. You know, why weren't you home with your children? So it, it feels risky to people sometimes, and frankly, that is the reason some people don't show up in court. But more often, I think it's just that they couldn't get there. Um, And that prompts 
a license suspension. Um, and then also simple possession of drugs. So if you have um, half a Xanax that your mom gave you because she knew you were nervous, but you don't have a prescription for that Xanax and you're caught with it, that's a felony in Alabama. Mm. Um, also, if you're convicted of that felony, um, you lose your license for a period of six months. So HB 129 would eliminate all of those failure to, to appear, failure to pay, and simple possession as a reason for driver's license suspensions. There'd still be ways to sanction people for all of those things, but driver's license suspension would be off the table. And one of, I guess the thing that, uh, that I, uh, appeals to me about this bill is that it is a bill that I think protects the more vulnerable people, people that are on the lower end of the socioeconomic ladder. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, the people who can't pay a ticket all at once are people who don't have a lot of money in the bank. I am not a rich person, but I do have enough money that if I got a ticket, most likely I would just be able to pay it all at once. But a lot of people in this state don't have that kind of access to money. Um, so if they can't pay all at once, they get put on a payment plan. And those payment plans, it's really easy to trip up. It's easy to miss a payment. Um, and not everybody has the kind of cash flow that judges think they do, especially if you're on more than one payment plan, which is very common. You might owe $25 a month to three different courts because a lot of people drive through more than one jurisdiction on their way to and from work. If you have the same busted headlight driving through, you know, Montgomery, Prattville, and Otaga County, you can get stopped three different times and get three different tickets for that headlight and end up on three different payment plans. And then every time you're stopped after that, if your license is suspended, not only will you get a ticket for whatever you were pulled over for, but you'll also get a ticket for driving on a suspended license. So these can really spiral and they disparately impact the poorest people in Alabama. Um, and it's also really important to talk about race here, right? Because we know that black people are more likely to be pulled over than white people. Um, so it disparately impacts African-American Alabamians and poor Alabamians, and that is just true. You know, uh, I did, I've done a lot of work um, with looking at, uh, at fines uh, that we have in this state. And, um, I don't think people realize how outside the norm it is to receive a ticket for, say, running a stop sign. Uh, and the ticket for the fine itself be 15 to $25. But the various fees and other things associated with it run your ticket up to nearly $200 for running a simple stop sign. Um, have, has there been any discussion when y'all talk about these these things here with, with removing the suspension as a punishment um with with also seeing about ways to to eliminate some because i'll be honest with you i had a, a conversation with a judge a circuit court judge in montgomery who was refusing to implement some of these fines until someone could tell him what the fines went to because nobody including the court clerk uh, the circuit court clerk, no one could tell him what they went for. Uh, there were, I mean, there were fines for things uh, that were just all over the map and things that had nothing whatsoever to do with the justice system in Alabama. And so that he, and, and what prompted all this uh, at that time was there was 
a homeless person who had been before him multiple times. This person had uh, some uh, a variety of mental health issues, uh, and everyone knew that this person had a variety of mental health issues. And oftentimes, the police would arrest this person simply for his protection. But as they would explain, well, when we arrest him, he's got to go through the process. Otherwise, it's illegal. It's an illegal detainment. So we've got to send him through the process. And he gets all these fines slapped on him. And everybody knows he's not going to pay these fines. And so at this point, he had $18,000 worth of fines. Uh, and the judge was attempting to strike them all down. So I, so that's what got me to this question of, is there any thought at all among lawmakers and legislators that, that y'all have worked with on this about eliminating some of these ridiculous fines? I think there is a growing understanding of what a problem it is that we fund the state of Alabama with fines and fees instead of with taxes, but it's a really hard problem to dig our way out of. Um, in 2018, I led a project that surveyed about a thousand people in Alabama who owed fines and fees for things like traffic tickets, but all the way up to felonies, because a lot of people don't realize this, but um, there are fees assessed against you for all kinds of crimes. In fact, if you are found too poor to afford your own lawyer, in most places you will pay about $1,000 or more, or at least I should say you'll be charged $1,000 or more. Yes. Because this is money that people are are likely never going to pay because they're not going to be able to pay it. Oh. Um, so the court, the court charges you uh, for court costs. It charges you fees for various things like drug testing or supervision. Um, and then it also fines you, and that's, that's your penalty. So in tickets, you were talking about how the fine is relatively low compared to court costs. With some more serious crimes, the, fi the, fi the uh, fine, of course, is a lot higher. But um, the really wild thing is that we, we did some following of the money in our 2018 report after we surveyed these people. And we found that uh, in, let's see, in fiscal year 2017, Alabama's unified judicial system received about $14.2 million from these legal financial obligations. Non-court-related entities received over $75.2 million. In it's unbelievable. Right? It's the, unbelievable. Yeah, the overwhelming majority Whoa. of money went to the general fund. It also, I mean, it went all over the place. I, I have a big table in my report of all the places that it went to. But this is what we do instead of tax, and it's a hidden tax on the people mm -hmm. of Alabama who are least able to afford it. It's a huge problem. And I will say, you know, HB 129 doesn't get at the root of that problem, but at least it means that people are not losing their ability to move forward with their lives, to earn money, to keep a roof over their head um, when they are too poor to pay what they owe. And I, I've done some research, really what that uh, survey project was, was a look at what all happens to people who owe fines and fees that they can't pay. And I, I looked at everything from violations up to felonies, but just looking at people who had lost their licenses because they were unable to pay, I found that 90% of them had to choose between paying for a basic need like food or utilities or, or medicine um, and paying off their debt to the state. 73% of them went to a faith-based charity for things like food assistance um, or direct financial assistance that they wouldn't have needed if they didn't have this traffic debt. Um, Half of them took out high interest payday loans. So we know payday loans in Alabama carry about a 456% APR. So that's a problem. Legal loan sharking. That's legal right. loan sharking. Is that's what right. Is. So they're going to these legal loan sharks um, in order to service their debt to the state. And why are they making these desperate choices? Well, they're doing it because 
64% of them had been jailed in connection with unpaid traffic debt. So they're making these desperate choices. They're going to payday lenders. They are foregoing food and rent and medicine that they need because the alternative is incarceration. Mm. 30% of the people that I interviewed are surveyed, admitted to committing a more serious crime in order to service their debt to the state. So we're talking about people who have only ever run a traffic light or driven with a busted headlight, um, who are now turning to more serious crimes that actually do have victims. And it's because mm. they're desperate. These are not people who want to break the law. They just feel that they have no choice. So we are we are causing a huge, huge problem in this state by suspending people's driver's licenses needlessly. It's been really interesting to see some of uh, other advocates come out of the woodwork for this. Domestic violence advocates in particular are really interested in this bill because they see women all the time who are unable to leave dangerous situations because they don't have a driver's license. One of the hallmarks of an abusive relationship is control over finances. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're in an abusive relationship and you owe fines and fees, you owe traffic debt, there is a great deal of risk to you to reporting that to your partner who may hold the purse strings. If you lose your license, you lose your ticket to safety. Um, so we have domestic violence advocates on our side on HB 129. Um, we also have Mercedes and Sable Steel and other major employers. Research elsewhere has shown that about 50% of people who lose their licenses lose their jobs. So this is a problem for people to earn money um, to put food on the table, but it's also a problem for employers, right? Like Chris Pringle, um, who's sponsoring this bill, owns a construction company. And one of the reasons he was interested in sponsoring this bill is because he has seen where he has a guy who he trusts, who's trained, who's reliable, who loses his license, and now can't work. That's a problem for Representative Pringle as an employer, not just a problem for the guy who loses his job. Um, and actually, an economist at Dartmouth who I consulted with says that the current rate of license suspensions that we have in Alabama is costing the state $61 million in consumer spending. So we're stopping people from working. We're making this an unattractive place for industry to come because we don't have a workforce that can get to work. You can do all the workforce preparedness that you want. You can fund post-secondary education. You can get people ready to work. If you don't let them get that extra mile from home to work, all of that was wasted. And that's what Mercedes and Sable Steel knows. Americans for Tax Reform supports this. Domestic violence advocates support it. It is costing the state money. It is costing us jobs. We are literally taking bootstraps away from people and telling them we want them to pull themselves up with nothing. It's uh, it's amazing how uh, how Republicans jump on board with something when it directly affects them. Um, it's uh, you know, listen, and, and, and God bless Pring, uh, you know, Pringle for for getting on this. But I mean, it, it literally it is. It, it's it's amazing how they can see. You the just light couldn't when it resist that, could them. you? You just couldn't. I could resist not. That. It's it's just amazing. I mean, I've dealt with Pringle before, and it's just it's just amazing how things when it you know. It, uh, but anyway, regardless, it, this is I, I think it's a great it's a great bill. And it's a right step in that direction, and I hope it leads to to additional things and you know and things that that start to eliminate some of these absurd fines and. Um, you know, and really, because I mean, if you're if you're giving somebody a ticket for a busted headlight or a busted taillight or you know tent on their windows or a, a cracked windshield or whatever, it, it, there should be a grace period in there to allow that to be fixed, and then no fine whatsoever. Uh, instead of what we're doing to people here now, and it's just it's it's awful. I mean, it is, and you're right, and and I hate to say this, and don't, ever, and hopefully he won't listen. 
Pringle's right too. It does affect the workforce. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, um, and it affects, it, it affects the people that, that need help the most. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, I hope we can, we can get that. Yeah. What are, what, what do you think the prospects are of it, uh, of it, of it moving? Well, it's been a tough session. Um, <laughs> but I guess I Aren't could say all? that every year. She said that yeah. so um, diplomatically. I I gotta be diplomatic and I gotta be upbeat, right? Um, I am hopeful. I think that we have a really strong and diverse group of advocates. It is not common for, you know, the Americans for tax reform and big business to be on the same page as Alabama Appleseed and the Southern Poverty Law Center. So I am really hoping that when we walk in with that diverse range, we have victims advocates on the same page as the American Civil Liberties Union on an issue, um, that should be something that gives lawmakers pause. I think that our odds should be good. Um, We're running low on time in this session, so that may be what holds us up, but I'm optimistic Mm -hmm. it gets voted on, it will get approved. It's well, a shame you ran out of time when they, because you know they had to get to the transgender and abortion bills first uh, because you know the really important things. No well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, um, it it does strike me as as though they've got to pay attention when they see people that are normally on opposite sides of an issue coming together. That, that to me is just sort of a common sense indication that, Hey, we ought to be paying attention to this. If it's got, if we, if it's got them together. So hopefully, yeah. And the fact that Pringle, you know, despite, uh, Josh's, uh, uh, assessment of the man, and I don't, I don't know anything about him other than that he's a conservative I, I Republican, just, which, which, yeah. which to me is probably strikes two and three. But nonetheless, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. It is. I think Representative Pringle really understand this. And to be perfectly honest, this should be something that is a transpartisan issue that mm-hmm. people are conservative and people who are progressive can come together and understand. It just doesn't make sense. Um, it's bad for workforce development. It's bad for consumer spending. It's bad for victims of domestic violence. It's bad for children whose parents cannot show up for them. Um, and we actually have a, a deputy state superintendent of education, or a retired one, sorry, who um, has written a letter to lawmakers to that effect saying she's seen where parents can't show up for their kids. It is holding the state back. It's holding families back. It's holding individuals back. It just doesn't make sense. I hope with that group of people that uh, that it does it does move. It should move. And and listen, when they get behind something, things tend to move pretty quickly. Uh, so maybe 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 we still got a shot. And uh, you know, my my apologies to Representative Pringle. Um, he's uh, he's good people. Well, the assault uh, on his the full sale <laughs> uh, the frontal assault on his character. <laughs> Uh, well, he's, he's got know, a good he, bill he here. carried so. our Open Records Act bill a couple years ago. I'm sure hey. as journalists, will appreciate that too. So, hey. you know, there's hope. Everybody how'd that, how'd that is multifaceted. Out? How'd that turn out? Well, <laughs> well, okay. That's a different story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but uh, but maybe it wasn't his fault, Josh. Just like no, it wasn't. You know, it and, and, and we and a, another conservative Republican, Arthur Orr, is now championing that. So hey, you mm-hmm. know. Yes, he is. Yeah, you know. Yes. You know. 
There's mm-hmm. hope. There's hope for the conservative there's Republicans. Hope. There's hope. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Some of them anyway. It's, I'm skeptical. Yeah. I'm skeptical. Well, actually, uh, I am too. But but hey, uh, we grasp for hope. We grasp exactly. For well, I tell you this. I tell you what. I'm not skeptical of. I'm not skeptical of uh, of Appleseed and, yeah, and Leah. And that's I know they're right. doing good work and will continue to. And uh, we, I know you're you're busy uh, researching things and uh, and doing doing the work y'all do. So I really appreciate you coming on and taking some time. Yeah, Leah. Great thank pleasure. you. Really appreciate it. And continue to do God's work. Yeah, doing God's uh, work down there. Thank right. you so literally. much, guys. Yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, it's a. Uh, it's a tough gig, man. Uh, what what she does? Mm-hmm. I mean, it uh, you know, and, and I mean, because listen, a lot of what she does is what we do, and and it's just basically banging your head against a wall, you know, every single day, and then finally one little hole opens up over here, and you you, you feel hopeful, but they tend to patch those up pretty quickly. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, but it lets me see such a good side of Alabama. I mean, it really, I will say, like I love coalition building, and I like building diverse left right coalitions because it it. it Counter some of the cynicism you can build when you see the worst of this state, when you see the best of this state, and you see people coming out and spending their political capital on something that really matters like this. So, um, yeah, it's frustrating work sometimes, and it can be really sobering. I talk with people who are in really desperate positions, but I also find compassion for them in surprising corners of the state, and that Mm. keeps me beautiful well it's uh and listen if you're looking for an example of the cynicism check out any of my comments during this interview uh so uh, uh it's, um, yeah i know I, I and listen i understand i'm jaded and and uh, uh you know but they've done this to me i didn't go in this way they've done it to me okay i, I came in a, a, a hopeful naive optimistic person and they've uh, they've crushed that spirit so been victimized um, you know. traumatized yeah <laughs> but, you but, didn't land uh, on Plymouth yeah. Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on you. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, but uh, it's a uh, uh, apple seed and and uh, and Leo. That they're you know that keep your hope alive. Absolutely, they keep your hope alive. One of one All of right, our premier organizations. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's slide out. We'll come back and wrap this uh, wrap this baby up. Uh, Thanks, this is Leo. Alabama politics this week. Hi, this is David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, Josh and I have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we also try to keep it very informational with newsmaker interviews, and and we try to do our research, too, before we get on here and pontificate. I hope that you find the podcast informative and entertaining. So if you do, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to rate us, subscribe to us, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is you're using to listen to us. Please do that. That will help us to move up in the rankings and also to uh, get more people to tune in. So if you're a fan of Alabama politics this week, I hope you'll do that for us. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back, uh, Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. Uh, still got yep. your socks on? Got my socks mm-hmm. on, man. I'm good. Hey, you know, I I'm got uh, one year, one year, one, my wife got me uh, a pair of Obama socks. Hmm. Some, some, of the, uh, some of the best socks I've ever had. Uh, these, 
Dress socks yeah, or that, athletic that, that, that socks? Dress socks, yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? Uh, you can't have Obama well, athletic socks. Come on now. Well, he's a, he's a baller. He plays basketball. Yeah. That's why it could have been athletic socks. I didn't know. Oh, well, yeah. You know, he's a ba- he plays by. Ba- I mean, you've seen him, right? I mean, you've seen. I mean, there's that famous video where he was somewhere. He took the ball on one bounce, yeah. shot about an 18 footer, nothing but net, yeah. and then walked away talking about. Yeah. That's how uh, I do it. Like a, that's how, that's I, how do I do it. it. Yeah, that's, yeah, I've seen. I've also seen him air ball a few. Uh, but ah, uh, yeah. Well, he's yeah. I've I've seen I've seen him in uh, in pickup game settings where his game was uh, uh, well, it wasn't the strongest. Yeah. We'll just leave it like that. <laughs> yeah, but, a, but he's got but he's got a little jump shot. He's all right. Sure. He's okay. Now his uh, his dude is education guy uh, Arnie Duncan. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah he's he yeah, was good. He was, he, he was, yeah, he was good. It, uh, yeah, I think the the two best ballers around him probably were Duncan and uh, and his brother in law. Yeah, yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, well, he was a yeah. head coach at Oregon State. Is that right? I think it, yeah, I think it was Oregon State, or or maybe he still is there. I can't remember, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Which speaking of, you you got your brackets filled out. You ready to go? Ready to go for Friday? You know what? Uh, I never do that. And the reason I don't do it is because I just don't. I can, you know, I grew up where I grew up. College basketball was more popular than college football, but it still wasn't really the most dominant, you know. So I grew up in Chicago. So we'd follow, I'd follow DePaul a little bit. And, um, and I followed eh, I, probably not, not really much of anybody else. I was really like Bulls, Cubs, Blackhawks for hockey, Bears for football. I mean, I was just really conditioned to pro sports. Right. So I really never developed that, that, that strong interest that so many people have, especially down here for college sports. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I don't, I just kind of catch it. You know, I, I, I I usually tune in for the final four or something, but that's about it. Oh, I, I mean, I just I just like it for the gambling, uh, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, well, no, it's uh, I it, yeah. This year though, I mean, being from from there, you got uh, Illinois is going to be uh, going to be one of the favorites uh, to win. As a matter of fact, a lot oh. of people are picking Illinois to to win the whole thing. Um, wow, uh, okay, and, fighting uh, a lion. Yeah, okay. and, and you really and they really did. Um, uh, there's a there's a team there's a small school team uh from from right there in in chicago too uh that is they, they play georgia tech in the first round uh let's hmm. see if i can uh, if i can find it here i'll, I'll tell you who it is but it's uh, you know they are uh they're, they were one of the bigger ones loyola loyola illinois oh uh, oh okay yeah, yeah loyola uh, yeah, and sure. uh and so they were uh they matter of fact they're yeah, they they're really really good, and uh, they, mm-hmm. I think the uh, the committee kind of screwed them uh, just so they could get a good TV game in the uh, in the second round, uh, but then playing Illinois. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a uh, uh, it's uh, you know, I, I what I would like is for for this to inject some sort of normalcy uh, back into mm-hmm. life because mm-hmm. I mean I don't know if you've paid I I watch a lot of sports uh, and yeah. um, there but I'm alone. Here, I feel like I feel like there's not the, the entire country has lost interest in everything all at once. I mean, it's like we took that break and everybody just decided, well, we don't really need any of that anymore. Uh, well, I 
you know, I'm an avid NBA watcher. I watch a lot of NBA basketball, especially Warriors games and Lakers games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I got to tell you, it appears to me as though it's just the opposite. Really? Like when it comes to, when it comes to the NBA, I mean, I'm a. I, I not only do I watch the games, but I look at shows like Inside the NBA on TNT mm-hmm. and The Jump with Rachel Nichols. By the way, Rachel Nichols, one of my crushes. <laughs> Love Rachel Nichols. <laughs> love, love, love Rachel Nichols. She is just woke. I mean, she she has this really cool way that she weaves in cultural relevance and and not really politics, but more social justice kinds mm-hmm. of slants to things. Love me some Rachel Nichols, man. But anyway, so you know, you got. And she's and she's she's a cutie too. She's a cutie. <laughs> I, I interviewed Rachel so Nichols get, one time. She's a she was a she's very very nice, very very nice. I'm so jealous. Mm-hmm. I'm so I hate you now. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> she was a, she was she was very very nice. She was a, this was a several several years ago, and, but uh, she was she yeah was yeah very, yeah. Very nice. She's 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 cool, man. I I like the I love. I'm, I'm a faithful. I do. That's one of the shows I DVR. I DVR that show. I DVR inside the NBA, and it just seems like NBA basketball it doesn't seem to have lost a step to me. Um, I think it's I think it's just the, a, the lack you know, of fans. Um, you know, um, and, and to me anyway, to me it's it's it, what kind of deters the the casual NBA fan. Is is the mm. lack of fans? It's not the you know I I I don't put a lot. Of, matter of fact, I don't put any stock in the oh well you know if they could keep politics out of it, we'd be back watching. Anybody that says that wasn't watching it to begin, um, right. you know. And so I I think that what has kind of hurt all of these sports, especially basketball, because basketball is such a fan involved sport. You know, where I mean the you know the atmosphere inside of an arena can make such a difference in the momentum and the back and forth of a basketball game. It just seems to me like that that's really kind of hurt uh, the viewing well, experience. Well, well, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but you know, they have done, the NBA has done an excellent mm-hmm. job of replicating that experience. And now you also have some arenas that are letting people yeah. back in, especially in the South, you know, Atlanta, New Orleans. I've seen people in the arenas, you know, as fans. So it's it's sort of, I mean, they've, they. I think the NBA's done a, a pretty good job. In fact, right now I've got, uh, while we're talking, I'm looking at a replay of the Dodgers and the White Sox. Mm-hmm. I do follow the Chicago White Sox and the Dodgers. I like both of those teams. And there are people sitting in the stands. Yeah. So it's it's sort of shifting. It, it is becoming slowly you think, uh, normalizing, I think. You think that they should do away with the – for the baseball games, the outdoor games. I mean, we had three Republicans who who tested positive with COVID this week. Uh, do you think that they should do away with the limits on fans if there are if they are, if they have vaccination cards? Uh, you know what I'm saying? If, if we if you yeah. could get if you could get, let's say you know however many in a twenty thousand seat stadium. If, if you could get seventeen thousand people, all of them who've had their vaccines. And, and would present their cards. I mean, do you think that that would? I, to me, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think it, I, I think you go. Well, I mean, at some point we got to go. And if you could put that many vaccinated people in the same place together, go. Yeah, I guess my problem with it is, um, I think we're still trying to figure out 
truly uh, how efficacious the vaccine is, especially when you look at these new strands that are coming mm-hmm. in. I just heard a report uh, just this morning or last night uh, about uh, some concern about some some new strands that they've heard coming out of California. Mm-hmm. I don't I think it's too early to, to put people together to that extent. But but what I'm seeing right now, you know, where people are sort of grouped off in, you know, small groups, small families, you know, most of them are wearing masks. I got no problem with that at all. I, I just vaccine vaccine cards or not. I got no problem with that because it's outdoors. Yeah. You know? I just, I'm just I think I'm I'm starting to question what what's where where is the end here you know I mean are we um mm. you know what I'm saying like um yeah. when yeah. we're never going to be 100 percent safe that's no, that was never mm. in the cards to begin with you know you were you could have always called a flu virus or something uh that could, I, I'm not I'm not saying the flu is as deadly don't get me wrong you, you could have always called right, something right, right. that made right. you sick or that you passed on to some person that was uh, you know, susceptible to that, or, or more susceptible to to a very serious illness from that. So, uh, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm not saying everybody just go out for free for all sort of thing. Don't get me wrong, I'm not. Right. We're not even close to that yet at this point. But you know, it, if we're saying we can't even, you know, even if we're gonna we're gonna pack in a stadium full of vaccinated people you know, outdoors, open open air outdoors place like a baseball game, mm-hmm. football game. Uh, you know, Alabama's already said, well, listen, we're going 100% uh, this fall. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that you should take a look, of course. You should always have the caveat unless things are really bad, uh, you know, or unless right. something changes uh, drastically. Uh, we're going to do that. I think you should always keep that caveat in there. But, I, it, you know, as, it, as it's trending now, I don't have a problem with them doing that. Well, I think I think you're right that the trend is going in the right direction, you know, in terms of the number of people who are being vaccinated mm-hmm. in turn. And in fact, even just the numbers had be, had begun to start dropping even before I think the the vaccine became much more widely accessible. And, and of course, that's only going to continue thanks to adults being in charge of the U.S. government, finally. So I think uh, I think we're we're headed in the right direction. I would feel more comfortable. I'm just speaking for myself. Uh I would feel more comfortable if 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 we started looking at stadiums full of vaccinated people who also were masked up or or at the very least. Uh, grouped off in families, but you know, if we want to have fifteen, twenty thousand people, and you can kind of configure it that way, you know, I I would feel more comfortable with that probably in the winter, or or even better, I'd say for sure, twenty twenty two. That's where I am on it. Um, in terms of stadiums full of people, mm-hmm. now I'm not saying other things can't start to happen before that. Yeah. You know, but uh, but I just think I think we need to be I think we need to approach normalization in a very incremental way because we're still learning, Mm -hmm. you know, and also not only are we still learning, but the but the but the virus is still changing. And so I and, and while I take your point that we'll never be completely risk free and truth be told, Josh. We weren't risk free even before we knew about this virus. People could transmit TB. Mm-hmm. You know, you can cough on somebody and give them TB. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
uh, at least as I understand it. So, I mean, we've, we've, there's always been an element of risk just in being alive. Yeah. But, but I think, but I think when we have something that we know is as virulent as this virus is and has the ability to kill as many people. I mean, it's scary. You think about, you talked about the flu. You juxtapose the number of people who who die annually of the flu with the number of people who have died in the past year of this virus. It's like the flu is what, 10%? 10, 12 percent of, of, of uh, in terms yeah. of deaths. Oh, no, I don't even think it's that it's, high, is it? I mean, it was 30, 30 something thousand people per year or so. Is oh, that, I thought that, it was higher than that. Isn't that about average? 30? I thought it was I think cl- there have been some years where it's reached 70. Um, okay. so, so your, your 10 percent so, would be right there with that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a range. We'll say it's a range, but, you know, but, but it's, it's the, the, the difference is like just so stark and, and scary, I think. Yeah. Really. I think so too. I just, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I worry that uh, the the numbers uh, there, because they have been terrible, uh, you know, mm-hmm. have have set up a lot of people uh, to think, you know, that every little thing uh, has to has to change, and we have to be we're we're shooting for a hundred percent safety on on stuff. You know, I read a read some sort of a piece the other day uh, from uh, it was on CNN, but I can't remember it, and it's they were quoting a bunch of different experts on, you know, what to, you know, the vaccine and what life is going to be like in the future or whatever. And there were, there was a lady that was quoted in there as saying she would never go to another restaurant because you just can't and sit and eat indoors. And, uh, because you, even if you were certain that everyone had been vaccinated and, and I'm like, what? You know, well, I mean, listen to eat your own, you do whatever you want to do. But I mean, and she was mm-hmm. essentially encouraging others to think like her. And I, I'm like, I, listen, I, I can't, you know, I can't get behind that. I you say, you know, if we're, we're going to vaccinate everybody as much as possible, we're going to get to this, to the herd immunity level uh, at, at some point here. And I understand what you're, you're saying. You make a very good point about the, the different strands and things that are out there, but I, we can't keep running from it. You know, we can't keep running from things forever. And we, you, you're going to have to just continue to get the vaccinations year after year, like you do with the flu shots. And, uh, you know, make, make sure the most vulnerable people get their vaccines every year. Uh, and, and then we all go about living again, you know. And, and you, if you mm-hmm. want to wear a mask, if that makes you feel more comfortable to wear a mask, I think they're going to be much more common with Americans in the future. I'm perfectly fine with that. But, you know, I I'm probably after after we reach that level, I'm not. And they tell me it's safe to take that thing off if I want to. I'm never wearing that damn thing again. All right. I mean, yeah. unless yeah. unless again, with a caveat, things get bad, uh, you know. And so mm-hmm. but if I don't if if it's just a up to you sort of a thing and we're OK and we're not spreading this around and we're not filling hospitals, I'm never wearing that damn mask again. Well, I think, and I and I definitely share your disdain for the mask. I, I I guess I'll say, I would love it if in my lifetime, and I'm a lot older than you are, but I would love it in my lifetime if if we could get to the point where I feel like, yeah, I don't I don't need to wear this mask in a public space, or I can go in a public space like I like I was accustomed to for the first fifty plus years of my life, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, man, this thing, I've, unfortunately, the list of people that I personally know who've died of this disease, have known, I should say, people who've died of this disease, of this virus, 
is about, I think it's at nine. It's at nine or so. And the number of people that I know who've been infected is much, much more than that. And it's just, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just kind of taking it. I'm just, again, I'm, I'm being real, trying to be real smart and cautious yeah. about how I respond to it. I want to get back to normal too. But, you know, when you see people who've died and you see people, you know, one woman, I don't know if I told you guys this or not, but uh, the, uh, the head of security at my, uh, at my church, his wife was in a coma for 20 days. Ooh. 20 days, man. And, and, and out of the five of them in the house, four of them actually contracted the virus, but she was the only one who, who ended up in the hospital and they thought she was going to die. I I have another friend, uh, uh, somebody that I've known for well over 30 years. Uh, she is in a hospital in Atlanta. Now she's She's been unresponsive for probably five weeks, four or five weeks, I think. And, and she's probably, she's probably in her early forties, in her early forties. Well, you know, we had uh, Anthony Daniels, you know, know, that uh, thought he was going to die. Yeah. uh, You know, it's a healthy, healthy, healthy young man. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, it just, uh, so listen, it, it is very serious and I don't want anybody at all to think that I'm downplaying the seriousness of this or, or, you know, or telling you to, you know, that this is crazy or that the, the masks don't work or anything like that. There are, there are no conspiracy theories here about what the, what the experts have said. You know, um, I just, at a point I, I worry of some people, not necessarily the experts. I think they're going to tell you what they think and, and give you advice and guidance on things and follow them. Uh, you know, follow follow Fauci and and the other folks that uh, uh, that that have given good advice along the way in this uh, during this pandemic. But yeah, I just worry that some people are going to are going to look for one hundred percent safety in things and are are scared, rightfully scared. I, and I understand that the fear, but it just mm-hmm. um, I just worry about that. But you know, um, yeah, they're. You know, we'll get back to life at some point. Um, well, well, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but uh, speaking of uh, uh, one thing that we can do to get back to some sort of normalcy is as uh, give you our right wing note of the week this week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. And uh, and our right wing note of the week is uh, a rep- our. I'm sorry, no longer representative, uh, Senator U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn uh, from uh, our mm. our neighbors to the north in Tennessee, uh, who mm. tweeted yesterday. Yesterday, she tweeted this. Yesterday, and I want you to think about all that's gone on this week. Yeah, what's happened in Atlanta with the shootings, and what's happened all across this country over the last few months with Asian Americans facing extreme violence and discrimination uh, because of the idiot who was in the White House before, and the the messaging yep. that they pushed out uh, that encouraged attacks on Asian Americans and to blame Asian Americans for a virus, a damn virus. They, they were trying to blame mm-hmm. them. For this, this is what Marshall Black t- tweeted yesterday. The Biden administration refuses to admit that China is responsible for this virus. What would make us think that Beijing Biden would stand up to them on anything? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow, Beijing Biden. Beijing huh? Biden. You know what I what I find the this 
<laughs> for for politics, I guess this is an admirable trait, I guess, for politics, to have the unmitigated ball, uh, uh, gall, gall and, and, and balls, balls yeah. and balls, the hubris to to basically say, uh, this is what we're guilty of, but I'm going to project this with a straight face onto my opponent. So we had we had Trump basically on his knees, yep. ready to give Putin fellatio whenever he wanted for four straight years. And we have and and yet she has the audacity, the odd the unmitigated gall to project that onto Joe Biden. Incredible. Yeah, I know, man. It's uh, and it, to do this, I mean, but to make that, you know, that China's responsible for the virus, and uh, you know, as though it was some sort of an intentional act, uh, by by the Chinese, um, you know, and oh, it, it, you know what, what this is, I think, you know what it is, it is one of the greatest examples of self involvement, and and um. It, just being unable to imagine there being anything that matters to anybody except what matters to you is this mm-hmm. idea that this virus, which has killed millions of people all over the world, that shut down mm-hmm. Europe and all Asia and all of these different countries, it was only targeted at us. It was only targeted <laughs> at us. I mean, we were the real victims here, you know, but but also this virus is fake. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think really, as I called her on Twitter, the only thing you can say to Marsha Blackburn is that she's a walking bag of egg farts. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, because really, it's just it, everything that comes out of her mouth, egg you just farts. want to avoid like the plague and it just stinks and you just can't get yeah. away from her fast enough. And, and, and she is a right wing nut and, and has leaned on that heavily and she will continue to do so because she can't do anything else. Uh, you know, that mm. she, she's like the female Mo Brooks that she is. That's all she brings to the table is the rhetoric. Uh, she brings nothing else. She has nothing else mm. for, the, for the state, for her state. She has nothing else for the people of the country. The only thing she can do is bring divisiveness and, and hatefulness. And so that's what she leans on. And that's what she'll forever be. And so it's mm. no surprise that she could give a damn about people dying, uh, you know, about attacks on innocent people in, in this country, um, you know, because they don't look like her. So they don't matter. So, yeah. you know, that's who she is. Um, wow. All right. On that happy note, let's wrap her up. <laughs> <laughs> Just live your life so I don't call you a walking bag of egg farts. How about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, or so I don't or so I don't use your name and fellatio <laughs> in the same sentence. <laughs> I saw the look on your face oh, when no. I said Whoa. that. I thought. Woo. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes you got to say the truth, man. Sometimes you got to tell the truth. And that's, yeah, it is what it that's is. That's what man. was happening. That's what was happening. And by the yeah. way, uh, uh, Biden told that man uh, on a phone call straight to him that he didn't have a soul yesterday. So, you know, that's the difference between presidents there. Yeah. Good for Biden. <sighs> Good for Biden. All right. We're going to slide out. That's going to wrap things up for another week on Alabama Politics this week. We'll be back next week with more fun. Till then, see you. Peace. Peace.